Hey everybody, thank you for uh, thank you for listening to the Real Severe podcast. I'm recording this as I'm editing the, the the episode here, but there are some audio issues that I can't do anything about uh, because this was our first podcast and we didn't know what to expect. And uh, moving forward, hopefully, I should rectify that uh, in the next couple episodes. Should be really smooth sailing, but there's going to be some janky parts where the audio is going to going to have some overlap because we maybe sat a little too close to each other and the microphones were picking up each other's voices. Uh, so when that happens, just know, couldn't really do anything about it. I tried to put a noise gate on, on both of us, but um, I, I did the best I could. So enjoy the episode. Thank you for listening and bye-bye now. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Real Severe Podcast. This is episode one. I'm Zion. And I'm Jackson. Uh, today, we, uh, this is our inaugural episode. I don't know how this is going to go. How do, you, how do you think this is going to go, Jackson? Uh, it'll be rough, but that's okay. This rough is around gonna, the edges. How we're going to work this out. If there's any audio issues, we're going to try to fix those by next, uh, next episode. I was about to say next week, but I don't think we're doing this weekly. One of us is using a mic stand, the other is a mic stand. <laughs> <laughs> we've got we've already got stuff we can edit down all right no not not that the joke was bad just the the silence after was deafening no, can we add a add an applause track at the end of it yeah do, we can do, do some that. do some disney channel stuff like yeah we can add some earlier. sound effects ross absolutely lynch. yes get ross lynch in as a guest episode two to fill everybody in uh we were talking we were going on a little bit of a nostalgia trip about uh disney channel and disney xd shows from the late 2000s to early 2010s. Uh, some highlights uh, being... Shout out Austin and Allie. Austin and Allie. Uh, Jesse. Uh, Pair of Kings, which was a spinoff of Zeke, Zeke and Luther, Luther, which was in its own right. Uh, one of the things I remember about Zeke and Luther is that... Was it Zeke or Luther that was born on a leap year and turned four when he turned 16? <laughs> I think it was Zeke. I, I can't remember wrong, the name of the I, I The dude from Lemonade Mouth. He turned, he turned uh, four for his And then he turned birthday. to a life of crime. He did. Uh, rest in peace, his acting career. And those old people. <clears throat> but what did we do today, Jackson? We went to the movie theater. Today, we went and saw Asteroid City. The, uh, the new Wes film. Anderson film. Yes, by Wes Anderson. And boy, can you call it a film. Yeah, it's definitely a vibes movie. It's not necessarily anything... Uh, I don't know. There's not, there's not too much substance, subst <clears throat> substance in it. You know, Wes is definitely like a style over substance kind of director. But I think... I think the point the movie was trying to make is that, you know, you don't really have to have anything to say to, to be a to be a good piece of art. Yeah. The I main mean, character repeatedly asks, like, what's the point? What is my character doing this? Why is my character doing this? And I think I think that's trying to show the audience, like, there doesn't really have to be a reason. What do you think, Jackson? Uh, well, you know, my my favorite movie is uh, The Big Lebowski and mostly not because it's just. A movie, I like it more because it's just a vibe, like what it, we were talking about. It is definitely a vibe. It's less of it's less of what's happening and more of just how you're following the characters and how they just meld in with it and just how they react. It's like uh, it's like they've just been dropped into someone else's story. Definitely, I love the Big Lebowski, and uh, and one of the things I watched this month was Raising Arizona with Nicolas Cage. 
Have you seen that? I have not seen that. It's movie. another Coen Brothers movie. Uh, you know, they obviously did The Big Lebowski. They've done a bunch of movies, but uh, Raising Arizona, you see Nicolas Cage, who is a repeat offender, uh, go to, goes to jail multiple times and falls in love with one of the corrections officers, and when they find out that she can't have kids, they steal a baby. It's really good. Sounds like something I would do. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like many of us in, in our right minds and and our clear sanity would absolutely do that. But it's a good time. It's a good time. It's got that Coen Brothers charms. And you, you also got like a three-minute scene of John Goodman screaming in a car. I love John Goodman. Yeah. So what else have you watched this month? Well, this month, uh, recently, as in last week, I got to go see the 20th anniversary premiere of, well, not premiere, uh, as it's been out for 20 years now, but I did get to go see the one-night special screening of Tommy Wiseau's The Room. You know, I haven't seen this movie in maybe seven years. It's been literally since I was like a sophomore in high school that I saw The Room. Uh, what do you, what do you, is this your first time seeing it? No, no. Uh, but I did take, uh, my, my girlfriend and this was her, this was her first time seeing it. And most of the fun of the room is after you've seen it showing somebody that <laughs> has no idea what to expect the movie. Cause ev- everybody's seen the memes. Everybody knows the, Oh, hi doggy. Oh, hi Mark. Oh, hi Mark. You know, ev- everybody knows that. But I did not see, teach her. I did not. But to sit with someone to see the awkwardness and the, the campy acting and just the, the real life character that is Tommy Wiseau, it's just, it's, that's the most fun to see. And it felt like such a community event because everyone in there, uh, whether it was their first time seeing it, everybody knew kind of what to expect and it was just a really good time. Everyone enjoyed it. People yeah. clapped. Speaking of bad movies, because, you know, that is like the best worst movie. Uh, I watched a real stinker at the beginning of this month. It's a it's a, a movie by Sidney Lumet, who uh, his one of his first films, I think it was his first film, was Twelve Angry Men, which is like regarded as one of the best dramas of all time. But his last film before he died in his 80s uh, was this movie Before the Devil Knows You're Dead. And I, I found this at a Goodwill for two bucks on Blu-ray at Ethan Hawke, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Marissa Tomei in it. I was really excited to grab this movie because I love all of those actors. So I grab it and I put it in my player and I'm watching the movie and it is just so bad. The, the transitions between scenes look like they were literally made in Windows Movie Maker. Like Marissa Tomei, who's a great actress, serves no purpose in the film other than just to be like naked for the first hour of the movie. She doesn't have a scene in which she's not naked for over an hour of this film. I had to turn it off halfway because it was such a stinker. I couldn't believe that this thing had like so many positive reviews online because it was it was a real stinker. Uh, have you watched any real stinkers lately? Well, I think we uh, we talked about this earlier. the The last real stinker I think that both of us watched, which we we might get into at a different time, uh, was yeah. the newest Ant Man. Yeah, we might do an episode on the on the downfall of the Marvel Cinematic Universe after Endgame. Yeah, maybe so. Yeah, that'd be um, a good episode. That was the last one I remember seeing. I rewatched it on uh, when it came on Disney Plus, and uh, I like it even less. Um, now I don't know if this counts as a. I didn't, didn't, I didn't think it was a stinker. But uh, recently, for the first time, I watched. Uh, speaking of Wes Anderson, the Grand Budapest Hotel. Okay. For the first time, and I had been, I had built up such high hopes because a lot of my friends that are into Wes Anderson movies, they're saying that Grand Budapest is his greatest one. Mm. And I've seen, I've seen a few Wes Anderson movies. I, I enjoy them. Uh, I like the style and the vibe they give off. Right. And this, this one looked like everything I would have enjoyed. And I went to watch it 
and it was it was good. It was really good, but I don't think it lived up to all the hype that I've heard about it. Um, but it was a lot of fun. Uh, it was kind of remedied by uh, a night or two after I did watch Fantastic Mr. Fox. Oh which, yeah, that's a good one. Which that might be just one of the best movies in general. It's so good. De- definitely out of stop motion animation movies that that might be the best one that's been made so speaking of movies that had very high expectations that uh didn't live up to the expectations we can get to one of our first big talking points for this episode uh the flash oh the flash the flash we've been waiting for since season one of the show on the cw yeah i've i've been waiting for a live action flash movie Uh, i don't know since since man of steel i mean when man of steel came out and there was this idea of a DC interconnected movie universe like Marvel was doing, I thought, I thought the possibilities were, were going to go sky high. Like I was really looking forward. And especially when they introduced the flash in Batman versus Superman, I thought that the, the idea of a flash movie was something that they could, they could take anywhere. And, uh, well, did they take it anywhere? They definitely took it somewhere. Oh yeah. They, uh, some might say they took it, uh, to too many places. We're going to be spoiling all the movies we talk about from here on out. Uh, the three spoilers. movies we're talking about today are The Flash, Transformers, Rise of the Beasts, and Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. So heavy spoilers for all of these films if you haven't seen them. Just come back to this episode after you've watched them uh, if you want to do that. And I hope you do because we love you. Anyway, so The Flash. Um, the, first, the first thing I want to say about it is Nicolas Cage Superman. Um, it's a reality. Me as just, I'm a big Nick Cage fan. I love Nick Cage. Uh, and just seeing those pictures uh, from years ago of just him on the set in the Superman costume with the mullet, that's something that you never in a million years were going to expect to see. Uh, never. In, until, you know, the recent thing uh, with the flash about Kevin Smith talking about reading the script and everything like that with the giant spider, which was... Translated into Wild Wild West, a movie yeah. that is uh, regarded as pretty bad, but is one of my favorites. Yeah, Will Smith Will Smith saw the script for The Matrix and said, I've got a promising script called Wild Wild West I think I'd rather do instead. Will Smith could have been Neo. And uh, thank goodness he wasn't. Yeah. Because I love Keanu Reeves, Keanu Reeves as yeah. Neo. There would have been no John Wick if it wasn't for The Matrix. But anyway, uh, so one of the things I found out was Nick Cage was on set. For the filming of The Flash. Could have fooled me. Uh, Yeah, because it was literally a PS2 rendered, like, it looked like a PS2 graphics render of Nick Cage fighting a giant spider. I mean, it it looked like GameCube test footage. Yeah, like like they filmed him on an Xbox Kinect. So all the cameos in this movie during, like, the multiverse crashing down, by the way, like, I just thought they could have done so much better. You got... You got this rubbery, terrible-looking plastic effect on Christopher Reeves. Which, this, this isn't just through that one scene. This is through most of the movie. Yeah, most of the movie, but especially in the... It, se- it seemed like th- they made this movie, and they're like, well, crap, we, we're going to have to do something at the end of it. So they just shoehorned in, like, eight random cameos that they could think of in absolutely terrible uh, graphical fidelity. We're going cut, to cut this part. That's fine. Yeah, it's still running. It's just it's just a screensaver. All right, um, <clears throat> but the cameos that I can think of, uh, there was Christopher Reeve Superman. I can't think of the, the actress who played Supergirl back in the seventies and eighties. Oh, 80s. I can't either. But um, she was in it. There was George Reeve Superman, who was the the one from the fifties. Uh, you had Adam West Batman. Uh, you had uh, Jay Garrick Flash, which um, was apparently the 
the guy that played Jay Garrick Flash in the CW show has said that yeah. that, that looks like him. But, but it wasn't him. But it was not him. Yeah. Um, so we're not sure about that. I like the idea of all of these cameos being in this movie, but the execution was absolutely poor. Uh, as is most of like most of the the special effects in this movie, it it looks awful. Yeah, it, it it's a terrible looking thing. Everything is in kind of the uncanny valley. Yeah, where they're just a little too three D. It, it looks it looks more like a like a ride at Universal Studios. And I think I think the idea that. The, the director has said, well, time, time moves slow for the Flash because he's moving so fast. That, I think that's just an excuse. I don't, yeah. I don't think like it, distorts, would, it distorts the world around him. I think that's just such cope. Yeah, I don't think anyone would ever uh, voluntarily choose to stylize their movie like that. Yeah, it, it's just it, so ugly. Uh, yeah, unless, unless your movie is uh, Robert Zemeckis' Beowulf from oh, 2008. Uh, yeah, it's the, awful. The babies at the beginning? Yeah, the oh my goodness. Uh, I, I haven't seen a, such a bad CGI baby since uh twilight breaking dawn uh like literally these were some of the worst cgi babies i think in the history of cgi babies i think i think the baby doll that they used in american sniper that chris kyle was holding was more was more realistic looking than any of the babies that the flash saved at the beginning of the film what did you think of some of the action sequences in this film Uh, i thought the action scenes were pretty fun um albeit They'd look bad. Now, yeah. Now the the speed, like the way Flash runs, um, where it's just, it just kind of seems like he's, he's doing just long strides, just flailing his legs, and especially when when he loses his powers in the middle of the movie and he has to run around that room. And he, it looked so stupid. But he when he runs, it's clearly like the same way that he's running in it. Yeah, it seems less like his legs are moving fast and more like he's just doing big, uh, big leaps. I yeah, guess. but but they don't look like they don't play that effect well. It it just just doesn't work for me. Um, I, but I do think all of the action sequences where Batman is the focal point, maybe because maybe because they're darkly lit, you know, they're dimly lit. They work a little bit better, so you can't really see the the, the rubber effect on Batman. But I, I liked all the stuff that Michael Keaton and Ben Affleck did in this movie. I thought it was good. Yes. I think every scene where either the Batman were in it um, was really good, really enjoyable. Including um, uh, George Clooney? In, in, We'll we'll get to that in a little bit, um, but everything with Keaton and uh, with Keaton and Affleck, it was really fun seeing seeing Flash just being like Affleck's janitor <laughs> is kind of fun because clean up all the messes Batman doesn't want to. Yeah, uh, which I mean, if this universe is always just having bad stuff happen all the time, then it makes sense that Batman would need someone to clean up because uh, clearly, as we've seen, he. He causes a lot of collateral damage. Oh, absolutely. So do all the superheroes. I mean, goodness gracious. But uh, um, some some of the things that this film introduces for the greater DC universe at large, we got a Supergirl in this movie. We do. Uh, How do you feel about her? I really enjoyed her. Yeah. As a good take on it, she had, it seemed like she had a real reason to be mad at everything. Yeah, definitely. Because, Uh, you know, Clark landed and he was raised in in Kansas with a nice farm home. Well, not, not in her universe. He was Not taken hers, by Zod yeah. and murdered. <laughs> yeah, so she, so you know, we get to see the the big difference between how Henry Cavill's Superman acts versus her landing on there. Children are products of their environment, and if you're raised in a containment uh, containment center in Serbia, you're probably not going to be the nicest person. Right. But she's still Kryptonian and good, so she she fought for the right side in the end of the movie. But uh, I'm going to do a little little quick rant here. Yeah. Because this is a problem I've had with a lot of these superhero movies. 
which is they don't give them the underwear anymore. <laughs> and I don't know why that upsets me so much. I just want to see, you know, Superman in in the tights. So, something to break it up. Give them the the yeah. red underwear on the suit. Give. I, I don't think she had boots either, right? It was just blue all the way down. Yeah, I think I think yeah they they're just they're just doing these these tight suits with no discoloration. Uh, we we want discoloration. We do. I I like seeing a good. A good homemade silly suit. Oh yeah. Well, I think we got that in uh in a in a Marvel movie recently. Well, not not recently, but uh, Spider-Man: uh, uh, No Way Home finally introduced the handmade Peter suit. Right, the spandex. Yeah, that one looked good. Blue. And I'm hoping that in Spider-Man Four that we get more of that suit and less of the Tony Stark suit. Not that I don't like the Tony Stark Spider-Man suit. No, I'm not a fan. I'm oh not, really? I'm so, I'm so done with the nanotech stuff. Yeah, I, I think the best suit. For any of the live action Spider Men was definitely Tobey Maguire. With the raised web. Oh my goodness, it looks so good. But and in uh, the black? Whoo. Yeah. Back to the flash. Um I think Michael Keaton was definitely the strongest part of this movie. He could definitely still hold a standalone Batman film as old Batman to this day. I think Which we might have gotten to see if they hadn't canceled the Batgirl, Batgirl or movie. the Batman Beyond movie that was in the works that they canceled as well. It's like uh I just don't understand some of their motivations. Things that would clearly make money and clearly make fans happy, they just want a can to the ground. Batman Beyond fans are salivating. They're, we they want something. Me um, included. Yeah, uh, yeah, a lot of people included. But uh, So at the end of the movie, uh, The Flash, he, he, he is anticipating, uh, you know, he just got his dad, uh, you know, he got the alibi, he changed time enough to where his dad is getting out of jail, and he... Uh, he goes out to see Batman, who steps out of his uh, his uh, sponsored what was it, an Audi or a Mercedes? Using a, a Mercedes. Mercedes, yeah, sponsored uh, Mercedes sponsor uh, concept car, and out walks George Clooney's Batman or Bruce Wayne, and oh my goodness, uh, I I I don't know what to say. Well, let me tell the you, the worst Batman. George is looking good. Um, he still looks that. good as an old man. He he looked good at the beginning and. I feel like a lot of the the George Clooney stuff is it's not that he's a bad Batman, it's that he was working with a bad script. movie filming environment, the script, bad sets, bad props, bad costumes, bad villain choice. Yeah, I I but I think it's way too far gone to give him another. I just don't see I don't see a need to bring Clooney back other than just for a kid. If it's just for a cameo, that's great. But people are saying that this is going to be like the old man Batman going forward. And I don't know how to feel about that. No, I would much rather have Keaton as a, yeah, as the old disheveled Bruce Wayne. Yeah. I liked that a lot when he had the long hair and the beard, like he hadn't left the Wayne Manor in over 20 years. Like Alfred's dead. Everybody's dead. He's just, just chilling there. Uh, Michael Shannon looked like he did not want to be a part of this movie. Um, was he in this movie? He was. He was. He definitely filmed new parts. It's yeah. I, I'm 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 aware of that. It just feels like they might have just gotten him like at home to record. Oh, do you think so? A do few you... hours worth of lines, and they just CGI'd him on there. Well, his face definitely looked captured by a professional camera, so he might have just walked into a studio, did one day of lines where they just shot his face and superimposed it on a double. That that could be. That could be the case. And that was kind of the benefit with that suit where it always had the, the shield around it. Yeah, around the face, so they didn't really, yeah, yeah. But when he was in it, he was, he was intimidating I like still. how I like how they never unmasked the giant guy, because clearly they couldn't get him back. Yeah. The giant Kryptonian, they couldn't get him back for filming. So. I don't think he had any, any speaking roles. He might have just yeah, grunted. Yeah, he just grunted the whole time. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, what do you think about no reverse flash, no Professor Zoom, or uh, like... There, there's no 
there's no real. I mean, you had that dark flash, which was just the same flash. But even then, that was less of an evil. Yeah, we never of the figured flash, out who killed his mom. A, yeah, that that was a, kind of a big plot point. Yeah, um, we never figure it out. They you, just absolve though, his dad, but they don't tell us who killed who killed his mom for real. Which maybe that was setting up for, for a sequel. For which a sequel, which they say Zoom. is dependent on the box office. For which the box office of this movie is really doing bad. Yeah, it's, I don't even think this film's gonna break even. This thing had like a massive. It had like just the filming budget was over three hundred million dollars, and 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 the budget for marketing of is probably almost half of that. So. Now, I was a little disappointed uh, in watching this movie. Now, we know that James Gunn has said this is going to be a big reset and everything. Um, And I was kind of hoping more things would change. I know they can't for production reasons. but uh, Yeah, because the movie was already well into production. um, But I think maybe seeing when Barry comes back, just for for the franchise's sake, have an actor besides... Uh, Ezra Miller playing Barry yeah. Allen. Yeah, definitely. If I think you can change up Batman, then maybe change up. And I think I think excusing his like 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 Ezra Miller's personal actions as just like, uh, well, we're we're getting mental help, you know, getting a mental health and 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 stuff like uh, just saying saying he's gonna be better now, like. All the uh, all the CGI budget went to yeah. bailing Ezra Miller out of, <laughs> out, of, out of prison. Yeah. So so what do you think is next? Like obviously we're getting the Blue Beetle movie in August. We are getting the Blue Beetle. Are we still getting Aquaman too? Yeah, well, I I don't know because that Maybe. movie has been stuck in development hell ever since the Amber Heard stuff. Amber Heard stuff. Uh, but but do you think the Blue Beetle is going to connect to the Snyderverse or is that going to connect to to the to the new? Um, the, the James Gunn verse. Well, as we thought about a year ago, we thought the hierarchy of the DC universe <laughs> was, was about shifting to change forever. With Dwayne the Rock Johnson Dwayne portraying and, Black Adam. And Shazam not being there, even though Black Adam is just Shazam's made to be a villain. Shazam villain. Yeah. With where they have the same ability uh, <laughs> and they say the same thing. They got they their, powers their powers the same way from the same person. In like and and the rock was just like Zachary Levi can't sell tickets so we need to hype up Batman or not Batman Black Adam versus Superman, Superman. and then fire Henry Cavill the next week um but i i think that uh going forward blue beetle will probably be it seems like it's leaning more into the spider-verse side although it kind of has more of a lighthearted tone kind of like the first Shazam did yeah and, uh, i i, I think it's still going to be a part I, I don't know they might have they might have we reshot some things and reworked some things, so it's part of the Snyderverse, uh, or so it's no longer part of the Snyderverse, and it's going to be in the new uh, James Gunnverse, or I don't know, because we have yet to see any other uh, DC characters. I mean, we we hear a mention of Batman and how he is a fascist, but is this George Clooney Batman, or is this Ben Affleck Batman, or is it Michael Keaton? We really don't know. Uh, and Aquaman two, like we said, stuck in development hell. I don't know when that's going to come out, if it ever will. And. I might be with a bunch of people, including Jason Momoa himself, kind of ready to see him sort of don the Lobo look. Yeah. See him play a character that he he really loves, has a connection to. Yeah, and I think I think James Gunn and his ability to, to take characters like the Suicide Squad or the Guardians of the Galaxy and make them into these, like, comedic anti-heroes almost, or comedic great heroes, uh, <clears throat> I think he would do really good with a Lobo movie. Yeah, like, I think personally that uh, Peacemaker is one of the greatest things that DC has ever put out. Recently. I'm really looking forward to a season two. Although are they doing a, a season little, two? They are, they are doing season two. I Wonderful. It's wrapping up, but 
that kind of makes me worry on if they'll cancel it after season two because I feel like most people love seeing John Cena act. He's he's such a fun steal the show type of guy. Oh yeah, definitely. And it'd be cool for James Gunn to like take some of the events of the Flash movie and uh, maybe maybe introduce like the multiversal elements into Peacemaker and see how like it kind of it, it might it might change some of the things because we see the the Justice League at the end of. Uh, uh, of Peacemaker we season do. one, we see uh, the Flash, you yeah. know, Ezra Miller and, and Jason, Jason Momoa, Momoa, yeah, and the silhouette of, of Gal Gadot, of Wonder Woman, yeah. So it'd be interesting to see if there's any Easter eggs or ties to the greater DC universe at large, and how how Peacemaker might still be able to stay in if if they if they work it properly. But if there's not, um, then I just I would just like to see just a fresh start movie, yeah, just a way to go. Uh, we just recently saw. Where they revealed um, the new Superman and Lois actors yeah. uh, and actress. I, I'm uh, I'm looking forward to I'm looking forward to seeing that take on uh, on Superman. Uh, uh, I think James Gunn will be able to do good with this and finally uh, quit having Superman be. Su- they, everybody wants an evil Superman now, but that's been so overdone. That's been that's been done and rehashed so many times uh, uh, over. I've not seen Superman and Lois, but I hear it does a pretty good job at holding yeah. uh, a just good guy Superman. Yeah, I know they just concluded their third season with uh, Superman versus Doomsday, and they're they're renewed for a fourth season, which is probably going to be their final season. So I know I know they're probably canceling all these DC shows so that they can have a a greater connected DC universe, but. Uh, so uh, overall, for the Flash, what's your what's your feelings on it? Um, when I watched it, uh, of course, I saw it with my sister and then yeah. a couple friends. And no matter if it's a good or bad movie, uh, it all depends on how you see it. I had a good time watching it. Yeah. Um, the cameos genuinely were very surprising. They were surprising, but they were terrible. Um, yeah, like when, terribly when I, executed. When I had some time to think about it after, because you know you see it in the theater. Definitely the hype of the theater. I was excited in the moment, but but like. Afterwards, I was like, they looked like awful. They did look terrible, but um, at the same time, I'll never, for the first time again, get to see Nick Cage in the mullet fighting right. a giant spider. That was nice. Um, I think if I think I would have enjoyed the movie tremendously more if they had smoothed out the effects, made it look actually good. Um, because I I don't think the script itself was too bad. Uh, I didn't think any of the actors were bad. Um, it seemed like everybody in it was having a good time. Definitely. Uh, and, uh, you know, there's some characters I, I want to see again. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd still like to see... I mean, I'd like to see Iris West and, and Barry Allen fleshed out, but but maybe not with Ezra Miller, maybe with a Grant Gustin, to, you know, because... Uh, where was he in the movie? Yeah, exactly. Where He's was his crossed, cameo? Ezra Miller... In the show. Ezra Miller was in the Flash show. Why was Grant Gustin not in the Flash movie? Um, Jeez, now you just burn out as we are, man. Uh, I'd probably give this movie a six and a half out of 10. I mean, it was a little, it was a little lackluster for me, but it had some good moments. It had a good story that was just shrouded in bad effect, but, uh, a movie that I think, uh, it might be the opposite, really good effects with a mid story. Uh, a great movie that we saw this month, um, Transformers Rise of the Beasts. That's right. So, uh, we'll go ahead and establish this real quick. I, am a lifelong Transformers fan. I'm yes, still a, I'm a heavy collector. Huge. Uh, very involved with the community. Uh, I, I, I've devoted a lot of my life to it. Most of my friends know me. This guy likes guy. Transformers more than anyone likes anything. Uh, so, so I know for me, as a very casual, hands-off Transformers fan, someone who's not super active in the community, but someone who 
who loves the Transformers movies, even though a lot of people say they're bad, and loves, uh, you know, some of the G1 stuff that I've seen. And I liked Beast Wars when I watched it as a kid on reruns. Um, I definitely liked this movie. And, and what did you think about the inclusion of a very rare Transformer, Ape Link, in the first scene of this movie? Um, so Ape Link, uh, being with, with the group, we see the leaks all the time, which honestly I get kind of sick of it because it ruins the fun. Um, but it was really neat seeing a BotCon, I believe, uh, exclusive character who's right. only ever had, I'm very Two certain, figures, two, right? Yeah, two figures ever. One on a surfboard. <laughs> one, one on a surfboard. Check out that uh, Cyber, I think it was the Cybertron Optimus Primal mold, uh, monkey on a surfboard. You love to see it. Um, but seeing him in it, uh, do we know who voiced him? I, I could look it up real quick. Yeah, Hold go on. Ahead and look that up. Who voiced Ape Link? Um, while uh, I'm doing this, give some more thoughts. Uh, since he was a repaint of Primal, I was surprised to see how different his design actually was. Uh, he seemed to be much bigger. He was very asymmetrical. He had the kind of fangs and the blades out on him. Uh, I thought all the I thought all of the Beast characters looked excellent in this movie. Okay, so it was he, he was voiced by a guy named David Sabalov, who is a voice actor who has been in uh, Disney's Guardians of the Galaxy television show. Uh, he's been in the Lego Marvel Superheroes game as some of the Guardians characters. He was in Transformers Beast Hunters, oh. Transformers Prime Beast Hunters. He was obviously Ape Link in this movie. Uh, he's been, oh, he was in Beast Wars. Who did he voice in Beast Wars, the show? Let's see. I don't believe this is the man that voiced Depth Charge, uh, who is in this movie. He was also in Bumblebee as well. So I'm, I'm going to see, I'm going to see what he's done, but, uh. So as a Transformers fan, how, how were the Maximals in general? So the Maximal, uh, I wasn't big on Beast Wars at first, because uh, for a minute there I used to be, you know, truck not monkey, the classic, classic Beast Wars debate. Um, but when I finally did get down and watch Beast Wars, even though the animation is kind of hard to look at at times, which I think is what turned me off from it when I watched it well, when I was younger, uh, you can't deny that Beast Wars is just a super well-written show that has some of the most lovable characters in the series. Um, just very memorable for their roles. And I think that the Maximals maybe could have spoken more. Yeah, especially Rhinox and Cheetor. Yeah, we got a, uh, we got a lot Cheetor from spoke a couple times. We got a lot from Air Razor and a lot from uh, uh, Optimus Primal, but we obviously. Uh, we didn't get anything from Rhinox and just a few lines from Cheetor. Yeah. But uh, back to David Sabalov, who voiced uh, Ape Link. He played uh, Blitzwing in Bumblebee. Oh, okay. And he played Shockwave in the animated Transformers Prime Beast Hunters Predacons Rising. Ooh, he's an intimidating one. Uh, so, yeah, interesting. Uh, I'd never heard of him, but obviously he's been uh, connected to the Transformers universe for some time. He was also a voice actor in uh, Alita Battle Angel. Uh, which I've never seen, but the, I know you have. Movie? Yeah. The... He, uh, he played Centurion, whoever that is. Okay. But uh, anyway, so uh, I think that um, this film did a great thing in its balance of the human characters and the Transformers, which Transformers yes. movies don't always get right. Right. Um, I think personally before this in live action that, uh, what's her name? Charlie in Charlie? Bumblebee was that her name? Oh, Haley oh, Steinfeld? Haley Steinfeld's character. Hold on, I think I think it was Charlie Watson. Yes. So, so I think that Bumblebee did the best 
with human characters, I still think with it's Charlie. like E.T. It's like you're watching E.T. with yeah. with a Transformer. It did good with Charlie and Memo as the, the yeah. sidekick slash love interest, and her brother and family were genuinely funny and not like the Witwicky family. Yeah, the Witwicky family should have been killed in the second movie, in my opinion. But these new characters, um, I really liked uh, our main character. Yeah, uh, he, let me remind let me remind myself to look of his up name. the names because I forgot yeah. them all. So, uh, main character in this Noah Diaz, played by Anthony Ramos of Hamilton fame. Uh, he was he was fun. Um, I liked him, sort of being like not not a dumb guy. Yeah, I think I think the movie did a great job as like as soon as it started to 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 flesh out the human characters to get you on this guy's side. He's a discharged veteran whose whose mom is a is a single mother working working a job. She's the only one in the family who has a job. He he doesn't have a job right now and his little brother is sick. So like immediately you're like you want this guy to succeed. Yeah, and it's it's cute, you know, they call each other Sonic and Tails over the radio. Yeah, it's like they have a cute relationship. Obviously this film is very set in the 90s. You get a 90s hip hop, 90s video game references, 90 pop culture references like uh, I will say because uh since I saw it in the theater it has bothered me nonstop ever since. Um, first, first thing in the movie, uh, almost first, they play a Wu Tang Clan song very yes. early on, and then later, yeah, and Mirage and he says, Noah Wu-Tang show is, up. What does he say? They say like something like Wu Tang is here. Yeah, while a Biggie while song a Biggie song playing. when they could have played the Biggie song <laughs> earlier and then played the Wu Tang song while Mirage says that. So uh, the soundtrack though was great. Yeah, there were some great needle drops in this. And I I love called Quest, which yeah, was I always loved, great. Don't call it a comeback when yeah, uh, cool when Bumblebee J. comes back. Now Obviously, that scene was. Stellar. Yeah, that was awesome. We'll get to the conclusion of the film in a moment, but uh, yeah, I think the, but, that final fight is. But I think the really human good. characters, uh, like they, they were good. Like I, I, I didn't. They weren't annoying, which is all I wanted in a Transformers human character. Now the the library or historian the, the, girl, yeah, the female was, lead in this in this she movie. She was real eager to just kind of hop on the team. Um, yeah, uh, El, Elena Wallace, Elena but, Wallace in this. But film, I didn't mind her. I thought she was fun. I liked her chemistry with Air Razor. Yeah, yeah. Um, which, uh, I guess that's probably enough for the humans, really. Uh, yeah, I, like, I, mean, I liked his uh, partner in crime sidekick. Oh, yeah. That was clearly supposed to have, like, a joint or something, but they just <laughs> gave him Twizzlers. Yeah. I thought, I thought that was fun. I, um, I, I especially liked uh, the opening, uh, like, the real first fight that we get in this movie when uh, the, the terror cons uh, go down to the, uh, well, not, I guess the first fight would be the opening scene, but when the terror cons come to Earth, and they destroy that uh, that museum. And we want to talk about the Terracons for a second. Yeah, we can talk about the Terracons. Okay, so we'll we'll leave Scourge till the end. Uh, first up, we got Nightbird, who in the G one cartoon she was uh, she was built on Earth, I believe, yeah. and di- didn't transform. Uh, but that head looks very similar. I don't think she got. She didn't really get to say or do much. She was no. just kind of the one that flew. Yeah, we didn't get too much Terracons except for Scourge. Scourge talked a yes, lot. Yes, uh, but she had the very cool uh, Nissan Skyline GTR alt mode, which is really cool to see. I love the colors on the it. The color scheme of that. It was black and purple, correct? Uh, pur- yeah, kind of tannish. Yeah, like, yeah. Sort of a yeah, sort of like a, a rust color. Yeah, it was kind of cool looking. Um, and then Battle Trap. Yeah. Who, oh my goodness. I loved I love that. He had a great look. I'm I'm going to try yeah. to track down his figure. Uh, his figure because yeah. he looked great. I love the wrecking ball. That scene where That was very cool. Yeah, that scene where he grabs onto Nightbird and they do the flip on the road and he fires yeah. a missile That was the very engine. awesome. Uh and he was fun. Uh rest in peace Battle Trap. Yeah. Uh, Gone too he, soon, never forgotten. Right. He now he's based off a character that got some prevalence kind of recently known for being a duo con, but this huh. is clearly where they just took the name 
and put just it on put character. it on a different Transformer. The Transformers movie universe loves to do that with, they with different do. bots. Uh, Scourge's design, his truck, which was basically goth Optimus Prime. Speaking of stealing a name. <laughs> yeah, but Scourge was so good. Of course, of course, voiced by Peter Dinklage. Which was, I could not tell. In no, the me, me either. But it was a, it was a very commanding voice. Oh, there yeah. were some moments where Scourge was just kind of terrifying. He yeah. was he was in for the thrill of the hunt. Yeah, he he genuinely I loved the the like uh you know, sometimes you see people's calling cards when they when they're uh, natural born killers, they'll do things to to like uh you know, kind of trophies along the way. I like that oh, he had yeah. all the all the different bot emblems like the Autobot emblem and and the uh the Maximals emblem that he would uh you know, put he would put their ensigns on his on his shoulder as if he was right. some kind of Craven the Hunter-esque guy. Oh man, ever since I saw that that truck mode and the stills of it yeah. when they were filming the movie and I saw all the badges on the front, that's that was cool. Just, that was so cool. Just someone that's on their own. He reminds me a lot of um did you ever watch Transformers animated? I, I did. around 2008, 2009. I did not watch that. Okay, so the the character Lockdown in it who uh, was voiced by the guy that plays Bishop in Aliens. Oh. Um, he is a bounty hunter in it that just wants to take trophies. Uh, he's got a, they, they referenced it in Age of Extinction where he kills Ratchet. Mm. There's an ongoing feud between him where he's traumatized Ratchet and Ratchet hates him. But uh, anyways, it seems like they transferred a lot of that over to Scourge in Gave the him, movie. Yeah. Uh, which he was, he was great. I really liked him. I loved his face. Yeah. That, that kind of mask was really cool. It was definitely cool. And I like, I like the, I like the way he's basically Steppenwolf from Zack Snyder's Justice League. He's working for the bigger picture. Obviously, they're planning to do two more of these Rise of the Beast movies that are going to be like a Unicron trilogy. Unicron being the big bad that they're they're going for, but Scourge obviously the catalyst and and uh, and the main villain for this film. Uh, what do you think about the relationship between Scourge and Unicron? Well, I think Unicron probably could have been fleshed out a little more. I was yeah. a little, which yeah. I'm sure they'll use him more. Oh, but definitely, it's not over. No, um, but I thought Unicron he he looked right. He looked like yeah. the '80s movie put. Into, into CGI. I really hope we get to see, maybe not in the second of this trilogy, but I hope by the third we get to see him in robot mode. Yes, and I really enjoy, maybe it's like the end of the second one. Yeah, show yeah, they, they show, or the post credit scene. Yeah, uh, but and, I like that they can kind of mentally speak with Unicron. Yeah. But he's still able to hurt them while he does that. Yeah, like they're on, the, like they're on a separate plane, like, like they're on the Earth, and you can see where it transfers, like Scourge can see Unicron in space, but, uh, but on Earth, like Scourge is being lifted like on the actual ground. I thought that was a pretty cool effect and I thought it was cool that they were telepathically linked. I think I think one of the things that I really liked about this this movie is just um just all of the, all of the robot designs were very like very practical, I think. And like the transformations, yeah. And and they like everybody looked different. Everybody had a different look about them. Some of the problems that I have with the Michael Bay films, which I, I like more than most people, but uh, you know, the Decepticons kind of all look the same. They're all the big kind of just jagged metal, metal gray. like gray with ugly teeth and bad, you know. But in this one, and I remember seeing it in the theater, there's a scene where they're fighting outside the museum where there's an explosion. And yeah. for a second, you see Battle Trap perfectly. You see yeah. every little detail. And it's on nice. And, and I will say, like, especially with some of the big blockbusters like The Flash, like Quantumania this year. Like it's nice to see a movie with great special effects. It is. Like I think I think this movie genuinely has some of the best. Obviously, the Michael Bay films had like a high, a much higher budget to work with. But like compared from Bumblebee to this movie, the special effects have taken a huge leap forward. I think. Right. This feels kind of like the definitive 
summer well, yeah, blockbuster. The, yeah, it feels like the definitive popcorn flick, the summer blockbuster, but it also feels like like the the perfect meshing of the Michael Bay verse bot design versus the G1 bot design that we saw in Bumblebee. They're kind of fleshing, like merging those two things together in a way that I think I think the bots just look amazing. Right. How do you uh, how do you feel about Prime's design in this Sl- slight tweak from Bumblebee? Yeah, yeah, slight slight tweak. You know, obviously calling back to G1 uh, more than uh, uh, the Michael Bay movies. Prime in this one is just a little tweak from Bumblebee. Uh, now in Bumblebee, he never took his mask off. Yeah. Uh, but in this one, he has it off. I'd say most of the time. His face looks fighting. really good in this. It does look good. Um, and I I don't know how I never saw it. I saw a picture side by side of it with the 07 Prime design. Yeah. And it's basically the same thing. It might. It's a little low. Yeah. But, um, it's it's clearly meant to be Peter Cullen's face, which speaking, is a nice tribute. Speaking of bot designs in this in this, uh, I think my favorite bot design in this, uh was an Autobot. Uh, can you guess who it was? Uh, let me take a guess. Was it Bumblebee? No, it was Stratosphere. Oh, so oh my goodness. How could we not talk about Stratosphere? Stratosphere in this movie was probably the highlight for me. Voiced of the by, box. Voiced by legendary John, John DiMaggio, DiMaggio, who has been in the series before. He was Crosshairs in uh, Age of Extinction in The Last Night, and he was also the best character in The Last Night, Nitro Zeus, who had... 15 seconds of screen time and did a little dance. I think he, I think he did that guy's wife. He, he mentioned that. Have you seen that? I've not seen that. We'll, uh, we'll look at that after. <laughs> but he definitely said something about it. Rest in peace, Rico's wife. Um, but uh, Stratosphere's design Stratosphere. in this is amazing. Now, Stratosphere, uh, he is sort of... There's, there's some controversy to him because in Revenge of the Fallen, he was given a figure uh, of a big plane, and on the figure... There's a feature where if you push it down, a tiny Optimus comes out the back and rolls mm. out. Now there's a scene in Revenge of the Fallen right at the beginning where Optimus is, you know, yeah. flying out of the truck. Yes. Uh, and in I think the Revenge of the Fallen game, there's a level where you play around him. Like Stratosphere is one of the one of the bosses if you play on the Decepticon side, mm. I believe. I could could be talking uh, but a different Transformers game, but but uh, but Stratosphere's in this one. He's adorable. Yeah, he's got a big mustache, a big a big robotic metallic mustache. He's, he's just Lord got a cough because he's old and he's he's rank. I, I really like Stratosphere. I really liked Wheeljack. Well, uh, real quick on that though, I enjoyed the concept of Stratosphere because in this one, you know, they need to go from New York to to Peru. Yeah. And they, they don't just get in their car mode and drive there. They have no. to find a rusty cargo plane. Yeah, to, it's amazing. For Optimus to just sit it's inside amazing. and they fly over there. It was now, so good. Now, uh, also, with well, we'll save that for the end with the scene with Bumblebee, but Wheeljack, yeah. there's some controversy with him because he looks very different than he did in Bumblebee. People hate him. Uh, the Transformers community has nicknamed him Pablo because <laughs> he has the video Pablo badge on the side of him i think he looks great i love his suspenders i love his little glasses. glasses yeah it's so adorable yeah. i love wheeljack in this so uh so so obviously one of the big plot points of this is that bumblebee gets killed by the terracons and how do you feel about bumblebee's design in this um i think did, wait did bumblebee get killed by the terracons or did air razor kill him when the, the air razor i think i think it was the terracons. i think scourge, scourge killed, killed him, him. Uh, bumblebee's him. design was uh, was good it was it, they did a they did a small tweak a slight variation from the actual bumblebee movie but I like the design in that movie, and I like the design in this movie. I like Bumblebee. 
I like every Bumblebee design. I don't think there's a bad design on Bumblebee. No, I do think Bumblebee got the coolest scene uh, where he was dropping oh, yeah. out of Stratosphere. Playing. When he got resurrected, he dropped out of Stratosphere playing, playing LL Cool J, and yeah. they synced up the hits to, to the oh, beats yeah. and the music, which was amazing. Speaking of that final battle scene, one of the parts that I really liked is after they say Autobots roll out, uh, when the Maximals finally, you see them in robot mode, when he says Maximals maximalize, it's probably probably top 10 cinematic moments in history. For oh, me. yeah, they look good. I think real quick we should run through the rest of the robots because there's, there's not that many in this. Yeah. Um, Air Razor was great, even though she didn't transform. Obviously, we didn't get to see her robot mode, but I thought Air Razor was pretty great. She was good, voiced by uh, Michelle, Michelle Yeoh, Michelle Yeoh. Yeah, from Everything Everywhere All at Once. She is wonderful. Absolutely. Um, we saw RC voiced by, was that? Uh, voiced by Lizzie um, Kaplan. Uh, no. Liza, Koshy. Liza Koshy, who I was uh, a YouTuber. Yeah. Um, which was turned late night host. No, a different one. That's, no, is that a different that, one? That's Lily Singh. That's Lily Singh. Liza, no, you're right. We, we, we're not big on Lily Liza's Singh. The one, Liza's the one who dated uh, David Dobrik, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I believe so. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I thought she was good. I we haven't love... even talked about Mirage, really. Oh. Pete Davidson's Mirage. Yeah. How but... do you feel about it? Well, uh, I thought he was fun. His he sounded the most like his mic was in a different room. Yeah, I think it, like it, it. I almost feel like Mirage was played by somebody different uh, when they were making this movie, and then and then they, they added Pete Davidson. Yeah, they added Pete it. Davidson, so they had to rework it. Now uh, he was fun, and I I don't know about you. I'm I I never get the hate for Pete Davidson. Yeah, um, I he, like him he's, enough. He's funny. He's like, not my favorite, I but I don't yeah. hate him. Uh, I don't love him. Um, I think he's pretty good as Mirage. And I, and I think they're definitely trying to, to move past the, uh, the Bumblebee being the only one who can be friends with humans. Right. Like, um, which, obviously, Optimus hates humans in this movie. Oh, Optimus is brutal. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, Pete, Pete Davidson is Mirage. He was a lot of fun. I liked when he turned into the F1 car. as a good little callback. <laughs> um, again, the Transformers fans, they just, they just hate him because a bunch of them are older guys, so they just they hate Pete Davidson, yeah. and they hate that he takes the uh, hate, Porsche 911 mode. Which they hate was anything which isn't G1, right? And you know they're they're like it's it's a it's should have made him jazz. Anything that changes the the Transformers lore is bad inherently uh-huh. by their standards. But then it's like shut up. They put Ape Link in a movie. Yeah, just shut up. It's Scourge fun. Is a, it's a fun truck like in yeah. R.I.D. 2001, a show that uh, none of these people like. So uh, Optimus was pretty violent in this movie. Optimus was violent. Um, he's it, it kind of goes back on that old conversation with the uh, the Bayverse Primes, where he's been through so much stuff. You know, he's just he wants to go home. He's violent. Uh, there was the deleted scene where he drops Transit the bus that was huh. cut uh, on a pile of just corpses of Decepticons yeah. he's been killing. I think it's pretty clear that these movies are not prequels to the Bayverse. No. Which a lot of people speculated that they were. Which I think, uh, honestly... Is the, for the best. For me, the thing that severed it was when Mirage, who all, all most oh, of yeah. the laughs from this movie yeah, came this from this was a good him. one. This was a good scene. His whole, uh, I was inside you joke, that guy. Yeah, that, that got a huge bunch of laughs in my theater. But when the he, one that I liked that seemingly nobody else in the theater except me and my fiance got was when he says... Did you hear Marky Mark is leaving the, the funky, funky bunch? Mind. And I'm just like, oh, they referenced that Mark Wahlberg is a character in like, in or like a, a real human being in this universe, meaning that Mark yeah, Wahlberg the, has like is not going to play in the Transformers movies. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. The least likable unless, human character. Unless, dude, they play it off like this, right? So, so the actual canon is Bumblebee, Rise of the Beasts, and whatever they do from then on out. And then the Michael Bay films, okay, are like movies in that universe as like reach. So Mark Wahlberg plays a guy 
who like was retelling the events of some of the Transformers and their and their and their stuff. I think I'd like that. But that'd be hilarious if they if they retconned fun. the Michael Bay all five Michael Bay films to be like in universe movies, kind of like how Lightyear is an in universe movie for Toy Story, but like better than that because that movie sucked. There, there, yeah, it seems like there's an alternate timeline where these just came out after the G1 cartoon. Yeah. And then Michael Bay saw those movies and made and, and his made, version And made his gritty it. take on, yeah. So uh, overall, I think, oh, we, we left we out. We left talk out about some of the characters. We some of the talk characters. We got to talk about the most, yeah. probably the, the greatest of the Maximals. He was my personal favorite character in the movie. Cheetor? Uh, no. Rhinox. <laughs> yes, Rhinox is, when Rhinox said, I'm going to rhino you. That really got me. I like the part where he said anything because he didn't. This yeah, whole movie, no speaking parts. I think there's a scene where I thought he said a line, like get them to cover, but I think that was somebody else. It could, yeah. I, I, as far as I know, Rhinox has no speaking parts in this movie, but has a but, very good design. But to me, the star of the show was Ron Perlman reprising his role from the Power of the Primes uh, Machinima YouTube show. Uh, Ron Perlman is Optimus Primal. I thought he was oh, yeah. great. It was a very, it was a very good voice. Like I think Optimus Primal was definitely like the star of, the star of the good guys for me. Now Gary Chalk, uh, the original voice of Primal, he he's voiced he has voiced most of the primes from my childhood as he was in Armada and Cybertron. Never really watched Energon. Yeah, um, but he in this movie, I love Ron Perlman as an actor. He's he's great. You know, a big. Big, big, big fan of the Hellboy uh, movies. Yeah, both of those are pretty good. And I just, I just like how he looks, and he's a very stern prime. He seems he's like he's good he at Pacific Rim as well. Yeah, his. Yeah, and I like the design of him, where he's got like got scars and stuff on him. Yeah, Primal's fur. Primal's pretty awesome. And his um, robot mode was very was very. Cool. I thought all of the Maximals, their robot modes, especially Rhinox, like oh, they all looked great. It was good. Um, um I so, like, I like how. Primal is kind of shocked at Prime in this because there's yeah. a scene where, where uh, he's like, "You're my, you're my hero. I love you." And then Prime's like, "I'm gonna kill all these. <laughs> I'm people. gonna kill them all." And, and Primal's like, "This guy is not what I thought." It kind of <laughs> likens me back to like that Peter Cullen interview where he's like, "There's some things that Michael Bay made me said that I don't think Optimus would have said, but right. the the money, the people that <laughs> cut the paychecks were like, you have to say this." And I and I almost felt that way. Optimus was a little bit too violent, but. Uh, but it was it was pretty fun. But um, one of the things that was kind of weird for me that we haven't seen in a Transformers movie, and I don't I don't know much about Transformers like you do, so it might have happened in the comics or in one of the shows. But Mirage sacrifices himself by putting his body armor onto Noah Diaz, and he gets like what I was like, oh, that looks like a GI Joe suit, <laughs> which we'll talk about we'll talk about in a minute. But I was like, dang, he looks like a GI Joe. So how do you feel about that Mirage suit on Noah Diaz? So I think um, they were kind of trying to do an Iron Man thing. Yeah, theory. definitely, definitely given a human element to fight alongside the Autobots, which I think is cool in theory. And, no, and the execution, we'll see how it plays out later. Now, there are some people that have taken, uh, I think it was either the G.I. Joe Retaliation or Rise of Cobra. Yeah. Looking at, there's some mech suits in it. For the humans that look surprisingly close to yeah. to this new one, um, of course. When I obviously saw it, for good reason, we'll talk about it in a second. Right now, this this isn't the first time in Transformers you've had armored up humans. There's always been the uh, there's been the Headmasters. There's been the Power Masters, which I think this might have been pretty close to. Where normally uh, a human will get a suit and they'll power up a Transformer. Ones with the Pretenders that are just Transformers that look like humans too. Kind of yeah. looked like kind of looked like a pretender, but small because 
Because the pretenders are like actual robot size, right? Right. Pretenders are the robots, and they put on a suit to blend to look in like a human, yeah, with people. Um, or maybe even some weird, obscure reference to the Transformers Energon cartoon, where you had the character Kicker who wore a bike suit, a bike suit, and helped out the Autobots. Yeah. But I think this was mostly a way to set up uh, the crossover, the Hasbro cinematic universe, the, because everything has to be a cinematic universe. The Hasu, as we call it. I think, I think in the theater, uh, I lost my mind when uh, the guy pulled out the GI Joe card and handed it to Noah Diaz. I was absolutely stunned that they were going to do some kind of crossover, but then, you know, a couple days after watching the movie, I was like, you know what? That's probably, probably like, gonna turn out not good <laughs> now i um you know i'm a big as we've established i'm a big transformers fan yeah. they've crossed over before they have they've been crossing over since the 80s with the comics yeah. um there's been there's a new line of crossover figures now i got my Soundwave gi joe crossover figure on pre-order how recent are those like are those coming out the now? Soundwave comes out in i believe september or december this gotcha. year they've already done a megatron and a bumblebee um uh, but there's been several other things. There was a Comic Con where they had a GI Joe fighter jet that they painted. Now are these, like are these movie tie-ins or are these just separate? These are these are just gotcha. in the lore. Uh, now I am not a GI Joe fan. Um, yeah. I never have been. I like the Renegade I hated the show movies. Did. I didn't like the movies. I hate. The, I like Cobra Commander. That's it. But I I like him because he's Starscream. Yeah, he's literally Starscream. He's the same voice actor from the '80s. It's just him. <laughs> so uh, hopefully we get to see. Uh, we get to see some some finally good G.I. Joe on-screen representation if they do another G.I. Joe movie. One thing I'd like to see is John Cena from Bumblebee become a G.I. Joe character. Right. Yeah, if they if they could even uh, intertwine the universe even more in that way. So uh Which I'm I'm not I'm not saying I could never be a Joe fan. Of course I want to see a good good product that would like do this, but I I think I would have been a little more excited to see if they Went instead of GI Joe, maybe Sector Seven. Just kept it. Yeah, I thought. See, I thought when he pulled out a card, I was almost certain. I was almost certain that he was. Uh, he was going to uh, pull out a Sector Seven card, but he did not pull I was ready out for a young John Turturro. And yeah, yeah. So um, I've got a list of things here that Hasbro owns. Okay, around the Space Nine. Yeah. So here are some things that Hasbro owns that I think. I think would be interesting to see interconnected inside of the Hasbro universe. So obviously we've got Transformers. We've got G.I. Joe. We've got Power Rangers. Okay. That's right. That, seem, that seems likely. That could definitely be something. Uh, you, like you said, Rom the Space Knight. Uh, we've got Micronauts. We've got Mask. And we've got Monopoly. Oh, yeah. We could, we Everybody's could see waiting a board for game Bumblebee movie. to turn into the shoe. Imagine, oh, imagine the, the set pieces of, of, uh, uh, of all the... I'm forgetting... Pennsylvania Avenue, you know, that'd be a great set piece. We've got Furby. Oh, transforming Furby. Now, you know that there have been smaller crossover brands in the past. Age of Extinction, when they had the Transformium, Hasbro also owns the series My Little Pony. Yes, I was about and to say My Little Pony. they turn into a, a yeah. Rainbow Dash, I believe. Uh, so we've got Nerf. Accurate. We've got Nerf. We could see Nerf guns transform into little Decepticons. We could see that, like uh, Revenge of the Fallen and all the household appliances oh, yeah. are turning into Play-Doh. Plato, dude, that would be awful. <laughs> Twister, the no, game I, Twister. No, I think everybody wants to see uh, some of my personal favorites show up. Um, and who knows, they might have been here all along. The Gobots and the Rock Lords. They've got Battle Beasts. Battle, Be Battle Beasts. They've made uh, some recent appearances in the toy line. 
Uh, and then Tonka is the last one I've got on this list. That's that. Uh, obviously, Transformers did a Tonka toy. They did the Tonkinator, which they was a Constructicon, right? Yeah, they repainted yeah. Devastator in, in Tonka colors, which is cute. Um, it, it's nice, and I think it would be funny if we got, if it wasn't a major plot point, but if we got a Tonka reference, like we started seeing Tonka trucks turn into Transformers, or, right. or at least one. Because not, not Tonka multiple. did, uh, they did on GoBots, and yeah. now Hasbro, and now Hasbro owns, owns, yeah. So it would be interesting to even see GoBots pop up. Uh, maybe maybe not a bunch of them, but one like the it's big Psykill, the big Waterwalk. No, yeah. I want the Rock Lords. Zion, are you familiar yeah. with the Rock Lords? Is that a spinoff of the GoBots? They're that, a spinoff they're, of they're, GoBots that turn into rocks. Yeah, and isn't one of their things they just kind of fall from places and land on people? Yeah, that's what yeah. they want to do. They want it. They, yeah, they're really useful if they're high up and yeah. their opponent is right. And not below much them, else. Yeah, standing still. Yeah. Uh, so overall, Rise of the Beast. How do you feel about it? Uh, Rise of the Beast, as as just seeing it as a movie, um, I'd give it almost an eight. I had a great time with it. So oh, yeah, with a buddy. For, I definitely, I definitely think it's like a seven point nine, close to an eight. As a as a Transformers fan, though, I would give it about a six and a half, maybe. Really, a little, little low for it. What? Why? Why is that? I just, I just don't think in these movies many of the robots get their chance to shine. Yeah, and this really hindered with kind of take a backseat to the main players here. Optimus, right. Optimus Prime, old Bumblebee. Well, not even Bumblebee kind of took a backseat to Mirage in this he movie. He did, which I was okay with. Yeah, but, it's you know, nice to the see Bumblebee called, in a supportive role. The movie's called Rise of the Beast. And yeah, and the Maximals definitely should have got. Yeah, so much talking. I think the Maximals definitely should have played more, uh, like because combined they probably got about forty-five minutes to, to oh, right under an hour. That. Really? I think Primal might have Air, Primal and Air Razor maybe. Yeah, but we saw nothing for Cheetor and Rhino. Yeah, barely anything. So uh, I think Rise of the Beast is pretty good, but the best film that I saw this month and the best film that I've probably seen all year so far. The best film that we've been waiting since 2018. Waiting and for. waiting for. And they're keeping us waiting, but not for too long for the third movie of the trilogy is Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Now this movie, first off. Talk about the greatest sequel since Empire Strikes Back. Let me ask you first. Did this movie meet your expectations? Uh, no, it exceeded them beyond. Like Beyond honestly, the Spider-Verse? Honestly, my, expectation, my expectations for... <laughs> I said what you did there. <laughs> But my expectations for this movie were, were we're going to get uh, a deeply personal story about Miles Morales because uh, we saw them kind of doing that in the first movie, but they, they more, uh, the, the theme of the first movie was Peter B. Parker obviously training Miles to be a hero. And so we, we kind of saw Peter B. Parker's arc concluded in the first movie. So I'm like, oh, they're going to conclude Miles's arc. But instead, they concluded Gwen's arc. We got Gwen's arc about how she became Spider-Woman, how her and her dad are. Her dad arrests her, obviously, or tries to before she gets, you know, uh, uh, captured. Uh, not captured, but uh, taken by the Spider-Corps or whatever. I liked that. I, I love that. I thought and that was an interesting dynamic. Obviously, heavy spoilers again, but, uh, you know, she comes back at the end and her dad quits being a cop and, and she hugs him and loves him and, you know, has to do her Spider-Woman stuff. Uh, but we got Gwen's arc in this movie, so hopefully by the third movie, obviously these all these all center around Miles Morales, but his arc will finally be concluded in a satisfying way in the third movie. But uh, so uh, so, what were some of the things that made this movie better than the first one for you? Ooh, now if it, if the, this was better than the first one, because I hadn't asked you that, is it better is, than the first? This one? This is going to be a hot take. I, I think, think it's better than the first. one. I enjoyed the first one more. Um, that's I don't think that's a hot take. I think I think the the fan base is split fifty fifty down the middle on whether or not this is better than the first one. No, I'm not discrediting the new one at all, because I loved it. I yeah. had a great time. But the first one, where they just gave you a core cast of characters that were different enough, yeah. but you could love them all, you know. Uh, 
Nick Cage, you know, us big Nick Cage Amazing. fans. He's returning for the third one. He is returning for the third one. Love Spider-Man Noir. Isn't he supposed to be like 19 years old, but he has Nick Cage's <laughs> voice? Yeah, I, I don't know about that, but uh, but that, that would be hilarious. Um, But I, I did like the first one better, but this new one was just... It was so incredible to see how much the animation has improved. Well, oh, the animation has improved by leaps and bounds, which I didn't think it would, but it did. Which I did, I, yeah, I didn't think it was possible for a movie to look better than the first Spider Verse. But the, yeah. we are in just a little side rant. We are in such a golden age of animation with the new Puss in Boots. Oh, the new Puss in Boots was amazing. You know, Spy, Spider Verse has done great. Far exceeded my expectations. So I'm hoping Trek Five is going to knock me out of the park. There. The new Turtles looks. The amazing. new Turtles looks amazing. It takes. Definitely takes a lot of inspiration, I think, from the first Spider-Verse movie, but definitely uh, takes it in a, in, a, in a more turtle-y direction. Mitchell's versus the Machines, I don't know if you saw that one. I on did that see that. that. Uh, it's, it's, I don't think it's as good as Puss in Boots or uh, Spider-Verse, but I definitely think it's pretty, it's pretty great. Right. And also that, that another Lord style. Miller. Yeah. That's another Lord Miller production. That general style, it's just, yeah. it's so nice to see um, that we're breaking away from the sort of Disney, everybody yeah. has the same face. Uh, Even across different franchises, they all look the same. Right. All these characters look so... It's amazing. It's a renaissance for stylization. Exactly. It's amazing how you can take Spider-Man and make so many diverse versions, but you still see them all as Spider-Man. Speaking of which, let's let's highlight some of our favorite Spider-Man in this movie. Uh, Obviously, uh, we get Miguel O'Hara... Miguel Spider-Man O'Hara, 2099. Big, big Dorito-shaped man. Yeah. Kind of looks like Starscream from <laughs> Bay movies. Uh, with one of the best scores. <laughs> I don't know how to do it. I don't know how to do it, but he it's a was horn. good. Um, I saw a few. I wasn't. I wasn't expecting spectacular Spider-Man. That was <laughs> no. That was awesome to see. And he got that. a speaking role. He got that a speaking role. And it's the same voice actor, correct? Mm-hmm. We got to see another person I didn't think was going to get a speaking role. We got to see Yuri Lowenthal play Insomniac Spider-Man in this movie. Yeah, that was fun. That was pretty cool. We got Ben Riley played by Andy Samberg. Which oh, they they. People hate it. I think I they love nailed it. that I love style. It. He looks just right out of the comic. He's the, he's the best cell shaded character. Being edgy <laughs> and all that. Uh, I thought Peter Parked car was a really Peter funny Parked joke. Car the spider mobile that we saw in the first movie in the spider cave or spider lab or whatever. But he's he's actually a, 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 a sentient being in this universe. Web slinger, one of my personal. Oh favorites. yeah, with widow. Yeah, with, with widow, the um, horse with the mask on. I thought uh, the the Spider Man who was a therapist was hilarious. That was. Let good. me guess, your <laughs> uncle died. You know, uh, I, I thought it was really nice to see uh, uh, Donald Glover, Childish Gambino, uh, as the the MCU's Prowler. He's almost. He's kind of credited as the circle. MCU Prowler. He's just completing the circle yeah, there. Yeah, for some of you who don't know. Uh, these the movies reason, might not exist. Yeah, Miles him. Morales might not have even existed if it wasn't for Donald Glover. So basically, uh, when they were casting for the Amazing Spider-Man movie, uh, uh, the fans saw this episode of Community where Donald Glover wore um, Spider-Man, pajamas. Spider-Man pajamas and were like, oh, he would actually be a great Spider-Man. He's funny. He's the right age. He's a cool guy. And so there was this big fan uh, you know, they were, they were wanting Donald Glover as Spider-Man. Obviously they went with Andrew Garfield, who I think is a great Spider-Man gets way too much hate. Uh, but, uh, the, the, the original writers of Miles Morales were like, we want a black Spider-Man. Yeah, so, they, so they, they said that Donald Glover. Glover was their inspiration and specifically that episode of community. And they, they wanted one day for Donald Glover to play Miles Morales. Obviously they went with a young Spider-Man and Miles, you know, Donald Glover's getting older, so he was never going to play Miles Morales. But um, it was cool in Spider-Man Homecoming when we saw Donald Glover um, as the Prowler, basically. He was out of costume, but he was, he was Aaron, you know? 
He played Aaron Davis. He mentioned he has a nephew. He mentioned he had a nephew, which is Miles Morales. And then in this movie, we see him in live action inside of a Spider-Man movie as the Prowler and credited as MCU Prowler, which I think is awesome. And in the first Spider-Verse, uh, Uncle Aaron is watching TV in his apartment. It is yes, that and it's that scene community. from Community. So I think I think these people obviously love Spider-Man and love little references and Easter eggs because these movies are filled with Easter eggs and references. Um, right, that's that's all this movie was. Well, yeah. I say all it was, and not but, in, but but not in the way that the Flash was. You were seeing all uh, all kinds of spider people everywhere. Yeah, there and I think the animation lends itself to be able to put a bunch of different cameos in that are all really good. Right, you had the the girl that um, helped Miles. That was just like that was just her avatar. Where she's yeah, actually yeah. Home. That was fun. And she's at the end of the movie. She's on Gwen's spider side. So uh, spider team. So hopefully she'll get some more playing time in the third movie. Uh, some of the characters were hyped up before the movie with a lot of advertisement, like Cyborg Spider Woman. She was yeah, a she got Marvel a figure. figure. She got a figure, and she was barely she, in she, the movie. She did a few shots. She I was think. cool. She was cool. Uh, and then Jessica Drew, who was just kind of rude the whole time. I think. Yeah, I mean that's kind of her thing. She's like you know this. She's been Spider Woman for a while. She's about to have a baby. She's obviously you know with Miguel O'Hara like they don't want the multiverse to collapse. So she kind of has to be rude, just like Miguel O'Hara has to be rude. Right, which we, we see in the end anyways. Most of these spider people are on Miguel's side. Oh, yeah, definitely. They don't want the multiverse to collapse. There's actually a pretty pretty small minority of spider people that want, like, that think Miles is right for wanting to save people instead of, instead of just let, the, let them die. Right. Um, now, speaking of, we, we've talked about all the Spider-Men. I think we deserve, well, let's talk about the core team first that's joined with Gwen. So we got... Yeah. Hobie, uh, Hobie, Spider Punk, my personal favorite character from the movie. Oh yeah, he was he was the best part of this movie. I think he was, he's just animated so awesome, like a Sex Pistols yeah. album. Cover. Yeah, it looks awesome. Uh, let's see. Also, uh, we get the return of Penny Parker. We get Penny Parker, Evangelion sat. Well, every, everybody's saying that, but you know she she was there to tell him that. You know, his dad's going to die. So she's got reason yeah. to like, look like that. But the new suit looking closer to an Ava was really neat. Yeah, um, we've got uh, Spider-Ham is at the end of this movie again. So he's back. Yes, I think they just reused the line, though. I think they reused yeah, the yeah, it was he didn't, he didn't bring it. He didn't bring it. Yeah, and then we got, we saw. As John Mulaney was in a yeah. little bit of trouble. Yeah, he was, he was uh, you know, cheating on his wife, doing a bunch of cocaine and, and having a baby with Olivia Munn. He's so. back now, though. Baby J. Oh, yeah, sweet baby J. But uh, we saw. Spider-Man Noir, who did not have a speaking role, but he came back at the end of this movie, so Nick Cage is coming back for the third movie, which I'm excited for. Uh, we got uh, Spider-Man India. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Spider-Man India was a pretty big highlight for me. I loved how they kept saying, like, chai tea, you know, you're saying TT, you're non-bread, you're saying, you know, non-bread. It was pretty, it was pretty great. I right, after Miles had already done the, why do they call it an ATM yeah, machine? Yeah, ATM it's machine, if it's ATM. It's yeah. the same thing. It's I very think- funny. I think that was subtle, but that kind of goes to see that these are all still Spider-Men. Yeah, and this movie really had two villains, being The Spot and Miguel O'Hara. Miguel, uh, you might be able to argue, was a little less... I mean, he... Obviously not a villain. He's he's, a good guy. He's he's just doing the wrong thing for the right reason. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, He's being terrible about it. He's he's clearly got the kind of... The fangs going on and all that. Oh, yeah. Um... And uh, I, I really like this spot played by Jason Schwartzman, who was yeah. uh, one of the leads in Astro in City, Astro, as he is yeah. in most uh, Wes Anderson. Yeah, he's movies. he's definitely one of those uh, big Wes Anderson collaborators. But I loved him as the spot, and I loved how he was kind of a villain of the week, like they said at first. Uh, but, but now he's an absolute he's gonna be a, he's gonna be a unit, and I'm really excited to see how they tackle uh, Spider-Man versus the Spot in the third one. And 
the thing with the spot when I upon seeing it a second time, yeah, a lot of the stuff he's saying to Spider Man, he's kind of making. I hate to say making sense, but he's he's got like motives behind everything he's yeah. doing. Uh, it's well, he, he's very well written, very intelligent. Yeah, you know, he was an alchemax scientist. Yeah, and one one things that the spot one of the things that the spot did in this movie was lend the coolest and most out of left field cameo. Mrs. Chin. Mrs. Chin from Venom. From Venom. That was crazy cool. That's right. We got to see Mrs. Chin. We got to see Lego Spider-Man. Which Lego was Spider-Man, which animated was... Animated by a 14-year-old. A 14-year-old who whose mom would not let him animate the sequence until he did his homework. And he did it on on his spring break. Yeah, that he was really... the whole thing on spring that break. That was really cool. Uh, originally, that sequence was not part of the movie, but... Uh, uh, Lord, Lord Miller, Miller wanted it. They saw that... He recreated the trailer on YouTube, and they asked him to do it. He did it, and I think the movie's better for it, because I love the little part where he's talking to Miguel, and he goes, Beep boop, Miguel, we've got an anomaly. Oh, thank you, Peter, you're one of our best. And he literally says, Beep boop, like he says it. It's not a sound yeah, effect. I cute. thought that's Miguel's cute. Miguel's saying he's one of his best. And J.K. Simmons comes comes back as J. Jonah Jameson. I loved that. No, I just want to say that for... Um... For uh, although I think that was a reused line from one of the Spider-Man Sam Raimi movies, right? It might have been, but for for them to say that he's one of the best now, when you see Spot show in there, Spot is still a giant head, yeah, which leads you to think that this is an actual like Lego figure, yeah, like that that's his canon size, yeah. which I think is amazing, absolutely I hilarious. That. I love some of the implications of this movie in some of the different universes, like uh, we see Andrew Garfield and uh, Tobey Maguire in this movie. And we don't see them animated. We just see them with like kind of this cell shaded uh, vignette filter over them. And I'm thinking if they are to show up in the next Spider-Verse movie, would they be live action or would they just be animated versions of themselves? Well, I think since we've seen we've seen enough live action people, you know, Donald Glover, Mrs. Yeah. Chin, um, part of fireworks, the fireworks outside. outside. It's July 4th weekend and we're oh. we're by the lake here. And, uh, you know, there might be some booming on the on the tail end of this episode. And that's OK. Uh, yeah, that just uh, that that's how we feel about the movie. Just fireworks. It was fireworks. Honestly, this is pretty poetic in the way. Wow, that one's pretty. Um, Much like the movie was very pretty the movie to look at. Was gorgeous. It was it was a lot to take in. I think on my second viewing, I saw a lot more details that I didn't see in the first one. Right. Uh, the first viewing, I mean, like uh, the part where Hobie tells Miles to use his hands to escape that little pod that Miguel puts him in. Right. Hobie is clearly on. Miles' yeah, side. Yeah. He's the one that wants to help everyone. And it seems like Yeah, he, he builds that watch for Gwen. He gives it to Gwen's dad, which was mm, pretty cool. Um, yeah. Uh, just the relationship, the parent, the parental relationships. Yeah, by, his, by both Miles and his, his family and uh, Gwen and her, her dad were, were really well portrayed. I love the duality of seeing Miles talk to... He talks to his dad as Spider-Man, so yeah. he can say what he actually yeah, that was feels to him. Spread his wings. And when he talks to his mom, it seems like he's just being open and honest. And at the him. end of the movie, he was ready to be open and honest and tell his mom he was Spider-Man, but he was in a different dimension, and obviously she, there was no Spider-Man in that dimension, so she thought he was just playing a joke. Right. But he was ready, dude. He was ready to tell. Um, I think... You've think, seen Miles grow so much yes, from and, this to the new one. And I'm really excited to see where it goes in the third movie. Mm-hmm. I really am. Because I, th- I think they're, they've announced that uh, the, uh, the physical release of this is going to have a short film. Uh, uh, I, it's kind of, they said it's going to be like horror, like during the, oh. the multiverse stuff. Like he's in, a, he's in like a horror dimension or something. Oh, I could be misquoting what I've heard, but there is going to be a short film attached. Like there was a short film attached to the first one being the Spider-Ham stuff. They did a, like him versus Mysterio. Right. 
uh, which or, uh, did get a reference in. Yeah, or sorry, no, he wasn't facing Mysterio in the first one. He was playing uh, a lobster. He was fighting a lobster animal. But Mysterio was in this movie. There was some awesome. Uh, we got Alfred Molina's voice. Uh, we hello, did Peter. with, um, but we got that with. They were going through one of the training rooms, it and a, a Doc Ock silhouette popped Doc up. I yeah, it was it the original comic Doc Ock. Yeah. Oh, speaking of Spider-Man '62. The the original oh, the, animated the Spider-Man. Spider-Man. He, he that was really good. That I love that. That was a lot of fun. Metro um, Boomin. Metro Bo- as Metro yeah, Spider. As Metro Spider, which uh, uh here's my take. I have a theory, right? So obviously Metro Boomin did the soundtrack for this movie. Uh he also did a, an album this year called Heroes and Villains. Right. Where he did a bunch of comic book stuff, and all the songs kind of have a central theme about about heroes and villains and stuff. Mm-hmm. And here's my thing about it, right? That was an awesome album. Like, I agree. Um, loved it. That I loved it great. a lot. But I bet the studio, I bet that was the original Spider-Verse album. Because there was a song on there called Metro Spider. Yeah, yeah. it could have been. So I think that that was the original Spider-Verse album. And then they were like, Haha, well, we're not going to allow that much cursing and, 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 and talk about drugs and stuff. Which, you know, fair enough. Yeah, for a children, you know, for what can be seen as a children's movie. Even though the themes, I think, can appeal to all different generations. So he had to take the leftovers of that, clean them up a little bit, and release what we got as the uh, the Spider Verse soundtrack. Yeah, I I agree. Well, um, I could be completely dead wrong. It could have been completely separate from the game. No, it, it seems like that might have been the point. I mean, Metro, or at least Metro Spider. Yeah, I mean Metro Boomin is uh, he's clearly a big comic fan uh, in general. Mo, uh, there's a lot of rappers who are just big nerds out there. You know, uh, shout out shout out Zarface. Oh, definitely. Uh, Denzel Curry's <laughs> a big nerd. He loves anime. He's he's drawing a manga. You know, there's a there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of uh, rappers who are who are big nerds, but uh, uh, Donald Glover being Donald one of those, Glover, Childish right. Gambino the being biggest one of, rap nerd. Yeah, uh, so so big of a rap nerd that he uh, inspired a character in which he plays a a role in the film. Like it's pretty it's awesome, just insane. I'm so very happy for him. So obviously, this movie leaves on a big cliffhanger. Uh, Miles does. is trapped in a dimension where there was no Spider Man, and he becomes the Prowler. And his dad is dead, but Uncle Aaron is still alive. Which is very cool to see. I love that that suit. We don't get to see much of it, but what we but do I'm, see... But I'm, I'm, we're definitely going to see it in the next movie. Yeah. Now, I think that um, upon the multiverse kind of collapsing in on itself, we're going to see both of those Miles come back to Miles' dimension. And, uh, and once Miles uh, from that dimension is reunited with his dad, he's going to turn to the good side. Uh, and fight spot with Miles Morales. I would, you know. I'd hope so. I think I think that might be what happened, or I could be completely wrong. Or uh, maybe he'd sacrifice himself for Uncle Aaron. You yeah, know? yeah. So uh, uh, we don't have to wait too long for Beyond the Spider Verse. Um, I think they did push the date back because oh, there's did the they? whole issue about there's been the several strike. animators quit because they're saying it was rough conditions. Yeah, I know. I know the the chase sequence they said took four years to animate. They they took about three years to animate just Hobie himself. Yeah. Um. So, uh, beyond the Spider Va. Okay. Let's see. The the producers address the sequel's release date. All right. <clears throat> Might have to edit this part down. Uh, it's still slated to schedule. It's still slated to appear March 29th of 2024. We'll see how that goes. We'll see how that goes. I I'm expecting delays because everything else is getting delayed except for Deadpool three, which actually got pushed further forward oh yeah yeah we're getting that next may ryan reynolds you know yeah. some people think that's a good thing yeah, they were people... like uh we don't need a the writer strike isn't gonna affect us when ryan reynolds writes the movie by himself yeah um now i guess uh 
That's pretty much it. What were some highlights from this movie that you just really enjoyed? I mean, the whole spider chase sequence was really great. I think Miles and his parents' relationship getting fleshed out was really great. There were no, like, I, I can't really think of anything as a standout moment, uh, uh, because everything was a standout moment. The movie did, like, practically nothing wrong. I really loved that Peter B. Parker came back and had a baby, Mayday Parker. Oh, was, she and was, Mary she Jane was got so back together. Cute. That was. Do you know who voices Mary Jane? Who voices Mary Jane? Uh, uh, Zoe Kravitz. Oh, yeah, the Catwoman, the Catwoman from the Batman movie. So overall, I think this movie's a 10 out of 10. I think it's the best movie I've seen this year. Might be the best Spider-Man movie, period, it for me. Is, it is wonderful. I, I rate it. I think it's very high up there. I enjoyed it a lot. Um, what are, I, I'd like to say my highlight, which was that first scene when he's chasing the spot about how, you know, they call him a villain of the week, but that, yeah. that felt like a villain of the week story. They're talking yeah, about him, first. His, uh, you know, his mustache and all that. And I feel oh, like... Yeah. With Miles, they give him some of the funniest physical comedy, like when he's just yeah. flying through and the air. Because doing a animation wheel. lends itself to a lot of physical comedy, right. a lot, a lot more than what you can do in in a live action movie. And it's it's great, you know. Animation's finally starting to be treated as like something for everyone and not definitely just a for kids, which is is good. And more cursing in this movie than the first one. There, too. there was. I was a little surprised. Not any strong but words, but no, still, no, of course, but, couple hells, but enough that like when I saw it, I was like. <laughs> you really just say that? You know, yeah. you caught the whole theater off guard. Yeah, it's, it's but uh, but it was a good movie. Oh, one of the things from an animation standpoint that I really liked was that first fight with the vulture, where he came. Yeah, yes, that was uh, I'm came from the Renaissance that. period. That was so cool. He looking. looked really cool. I know it's I know it's very early into the film and kind of the first real uh, altercation we have in the film, but I loved it. No, that was I think that was like. Because, you know, you expect to see comics and stuff like that. Never in this movie do you expect to see well, Renaissance. Yeah, especially because they, the, the, the NYPD was like, oh, we've got Adrian Toomes, the vulture, in there. And you see on the case file, you see the real vulture from that universe. Right. Like the one that we're accustomed to in the comics. And then, boom, you get this Renaissance-era uh, vulture that I really I really liked. The, the way that it, it felt like Renaissance paintings and drawings come to life on paper it was, it was fun, even when you see him like throw his bomb and yeah. they do the different cuts. Kind or the of. arrows and stuff. Or And another thing is when Spot is uh, anywhere, sometimes you can see his sketch lines where they've sketched. Yes, yeah. like you see this. When, when he's without his spots, you can see his sketch lines yeah, and stuff. Yeah, you see like the circles and all that. It's really, really cool. Um, uh, I really love the, the blend between 3D and 2D animation in this. Like, like we said, Hobie looks awesome. I just think they're pushing the boundaries of what people thought was possible in the animated movies. And as long as they keep doing that with the third one, and as long as they conclude the story in a satisfying way, I just don't think they can go wrong. Right. Well, out of, uh, out of the three movies we've discussed tonight, uh, which, which one was your favorite? Obviously this one. Right. I love this one. So do you, are we saying it just reverse order what we talked about them in? Yeah, I, I'd probably say Spider-Verse, Transformers, and The Flash in that order. And if I had to rank Asteroid City among these things... Uh, I'd probably say uh, Asteroid City is above, for me personally, above Transformers and The Flash. Uh, probably for you, you probably put Spider-Verse, Transformers, Asteroid City. Uh, yeah, I'd say yeah. That's, that's pretty close to it. So about yeah, how I feel. that's going to wrap up our first inaugural episode of Real Severe. Um, if you've been listening this long, thank you very much. Absolutely. Uh, the format of the show may change. It may stay the same. We're not really sure. We're just kind of having fun, and we hope you guys had fun too. Uh, have a good night or day or morning, whenever you're listening to this podcast. We'll see you next time. See you guys.